Hello and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now and then we talk about them. I am Le Fiancé. And I'm Drew. And this week we're going back to high school. Not for a high school musical, we, we've covered that <laughs> and there's not a high school musical for, to my knowledge. Dream. There is a high school musical musical. And high school musical, the musical, the series. Yeah. The musical. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what we're watching. No, we're also going back in time. Mm-hmm. We're going to 1989. Yes. For Heather's The Musical. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to this one. Yes, and I imagine a lot of people listening will be as well, because this is a very beloved show. I think I know a lot about this mostly because you've played a lot of the songs. You really like this this musical. I think this musical is okay. <laughs> but you play the songs a lot. I like the songs, yes. I have... I sort of avoid getting into the fandom that surrounds Heathers. And I enjoy the music. I enjoy the show. I've seen it once before. What I didn't enjoy about it was the sort of atmosphere that is created around this show. Yes, and that's something you've already forewarned me that you're kind of nervous to see if that travels with it on tour to the new Victoria Theatre in Woking. Yes. Because I know you've said to me in the past that this is one of those kind of like my first musicals where it's like it might be the first time teenagers go to see this show because of its online following. Definitely, and... You know, during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic, one of the songs went viral on TikTok and everybody was making TikTok content content with that song. And to the point that when we went back to work after the pandemic, kids were singing the song. And I was like, do you even know? Do you know what that's from? What song was it? It's the dang, dang, diggity, dang bit. (laughs) Okay. With the like hand face thing. The bit that sounds like Grease. Sure, yeah. And a lot of kids who are not musical theatre kids at all were singing it. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. Do you know what that's from? And they were like, it's from TikTok. I was like, okay. So it's kind of had the same effect that when, you know, David Tennant during his Doctor Who era was doing Shakespeare as well, that you were attracting, you know, people... Fans of the person rather than fans of the show Show. and then yeah you have the same thing with this but it's fans of the sort of online friendships that people were making around this show before ever having seen the show and sort of in part completely unrelated to the actual show you then have that a lot of the cast of heathers because it went so viral online yeah also did very well online and you know not just the the leads of the show but the swings as well who deserve all of the respect for this show in particular and you know the rest of the cast people who weren't getting the press that they maybe should have that they maybe should have just because they're in the ensemble which is always great when the fans of something show their appreciation for people who aren't normally being heard about yes um Obviously, when it opened in London at the Other Palace Theatre, it had Carrie Hope Fletcher. And it's still at the Other Palace now. That's going to become Heather's home, isn't it? Yes. And it had Jodie Steele in. It did have Jodie Steele. Who we saw in But I'm a Cheerleader. 
mm-hmm. the musical, nearly a year ago. Yeah. And so when Carrie Hope Fletcher was in it, she brought with her quite a large fan base who knew her from previous things like Adam's Family and... But also her online presence. Yes. She's been in loads of shows since she was very, very little, but she is perhaps best known for her YouTube channel and for being... uh, I can't remember what it was actually called. I think it's Way Past My Bedtime was the name of her YouTube channel originally. I used to watch her way back in the day when I was a teenager. I think we're about the same age, actually. And, you know, she showed content behind the scenes in theatres, and I'm sure other people were doing that at the time, but... You didn't have that sort of vloggy style of video where this person is just doing her day-to-day life, but also is in the West End. Yes. Which was very, very cool. So she has a really, really huge following. And this is possibly the show that she's most well-known for, possibly had the most success with. Is it the only show that she is part of an official recording? Or is she with? Is she part of any other official recordings for the soundtracks? Well, Cinderella. Yeah, this one came first. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Cinderella, but like up until this point. No, so I think this is very much her originating a role. Yeah. With Heather's, obviously, Heather's had come from Broadway and had the wonderful Barrett Wilbert Weed in it, mm-hmm. and then it had never been in the UK, and so this was a big deal that it was opening here. People went nuts. People would go multiple times a week to see this show. Wow. People would take scrunchies in the colour of their favourite character and throw them onto the stage during the show. Not um, like during the ending, just during the show. Yeah. Wow. It became almost Rocky Horror in the sense of people were joining in with this performance. Yeah. and would do the actions for example at the end of the show there's this thing where they like fist pump into the air and the entire audience would be doing it too which is very cool if you are part of that yes but if you go there and you have no idea what's going on it's incredibly annoying i think and could take away your experience of the show it's almost like what Heathers would have benefited from doing is making the Sunday shows and the Thursday shows, you know, the fan interaction shows. Mm. That there was a disclaimer on the website that was like, you're booking for this experience. Whereas then the rest of the shows in a week weren't. Yeah. That would be interesting if they did that. I think... People would still book accidentally. Yes. But, but if you had a couple of shows a week that were, we know people are going to sing along, we know. Yeah. You know, like Rocky Horror. Yeah. And that's absolutely fine to encourage that kind of thing with, I, I would say, specific shows. But in the same way, you have to think about, and, and this is why I'm thinking more from the, instead of being a killjoy, but from the perspective of neurodivergent audiences, hmm. if they go and they're in that environment, that's actually quite unfair. Well, I, from my personal experience, I did not enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed the performances. I had some people in the show where I was like, oh, I'm not sure that 
I like this person playing this character yeah. or the way this character is being portrayed. You know, yeah. I grew up watching the film and there are huge differences between the film and the show as well. So yeah. I also had that on top of it. But what I specifically didn't like was the fact that I was surrounded by people who were joining in, were basically showing a lack of theatre etiquette and also were in full costume yeah which is very cool we saw that with six at hampton court um but with mallets and you're gonna see that this is a thing oh yeah because it's croquet isn't it yes but when you're surrounded by a whole group of people who are all holding mallets in the middle of a theater that shouldn't be allowed very uncomfortable that's that's quite tough because obviously, yes, they're going with it as part of their cosplay of the Heathers. Yeah. However, that's also a huge safety risk mm-hmm. because they can be used as weapons. I've used it, like, I've played croquet before. Yeah, they're heavy. They are heavy. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, you know, it will just take one case of somebody having a disagreement and that being used. Yeah. That doesn't feel safe. Mm. And also... Almost the entire audience, when I went to see it at the other Palace Theatre, were teenagers without parental supervision. Now, absolutely fine, provided that you know what you're going in to see. Yeah, because, you know, we should probably say now there is a huge content warning for this episode. And, you know, we are going to be discussing uh, themes of suicide, uh, eating disorders. Uh, There's going to be... Moments where we touch on sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. If are, those are triggers for you, I, I genuinely would recommend maybe skipping this episode because it's very much in the DNA of Heather's. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we'll be able to skirt around those issues. No. And on the Heather's the Musical website for both the London run and the tour, tour. it has an advisory that says this production contains haze, loud noises including gunshots, flashing lights and strobe, strong language and mature themes including murder, suicide, sexual violence and references to eating disorders. Age recommendation is 14 plus. Which, fine by me. You know, I think as long as an audience goes into it educated and the fact that there is such a brilliant disclaimer that you have to go past to book tickets... Mm-hmm. I think does its job perfectly. However, how many parents? Well, this is on the about page. It's not on the home page of the yeah. website. But how many parents have their thirteen-year-old saying to them, "Oh, I really want to go and see this musical. I'd love for you to get me tickets to see this with my friends." And they just do. who were like, "Oh yeah, sure, it's a musical." However, but then also you have the impact of these friends whose parents don't necessarily know what the show is. They're not mm-hmm. the ones booking. I'm glad there's a disclaimer and I do actually think it's important. You know, we do have to talk about these issues and I know that Heather's is a dark comedy. So at times it might make light of these issues, but at the same time, it's very much. It definitely does. Uh, Everything in this is a joke. I will say the thesis of the show is that. All of these things are horrible things. Yes. And we're all too young to be having to deal with them because the main character is like 17 and that's a big deal in the show. So having that as the thesis of the show and being like, these things do happen, but we are too young to be dealing with them. 
we need people in our lives who are capable of of helping us with these things. Yeah. That's obviously very important. I think that maybe gets a little overlooked. With some of the jokes. Yes. Okay. I firmly believe that you have got to kind of laugh at the things that scare you. Mm. I think in doing so, it makes it less scary. But that's my personal view on things. Not everyone can do that. And there'll be some people that will possibly see this and it will take away from how serious some of these issues are. Yeah. So that's interesting. I, th- I, You know, I am hopeful that we don't have that sort of audience when we go see it. I think there is a time and a place for it. And I think it's amazing when you have a fan base that is that involved. Yeah. You know, and there's no shade on that. Like I say, I think it almost is a case of you have to pre-advertise these sorts of screenings. You know, like how the uh, Prince Charles Theatre. Yeah. Is it Prince Charles Theatre still or is it the King Charles Theatre now? It's still the Prince Charles. It's the Prince Charles. Prince Charles Theatre does a great job, but they have these really brilliant events, you know, where you have the Jellicle Ball for Cats where it is you're going to a sing-along, you know, and you have the Rocky Horror. You know, advertising these specific ones here or there, I think, is is much better so that then the show is more accessible for everyone. You know, in the same way that shows do, and not everyone does this, and I think more theatres need to do this more um, regularly, are the ASD-friendly shows, you know, the lights are up and the sound is turned down a little bit. There needs to be consideration for shows like Heather's where this is a fan experience one. Mm. You know, and then if somebody goes to it and they've not done their research and they're a little like, oh, I don't want them singing, kind of on you. You know? Yeah. Obviously, I've seen the film. I don't remember much of it. I was probably like 14, funnily enough, when when I watched the film. I remember you've got this teenage character, like you say, 17, and she falls in love with the new kid and together they plan to murder the Heathers. Mm. So I think that's pretty much what's going to happen here, but with like more musical. I think it's um, Veronica and JD, isn't it? Because Winona Ryder plays Veronica in the film. Yeah. And Christian Slater plays JD. I can't remember who the Heathers are, but I remember like it being one of those like quotable films. Very. Like, something with a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. I don't know how well they're going to make that translate. I hope that, you know, there'll be these moments where you have, like, the iconic lines brought up. Oh, yeah, they definitely are. But there's also an episode of American Dad, I think it is, where Steve wants revenge against three popular girls for, like, insulting his girlfriend at the time. Do you remember his goth girlfriend? Mm. And like he does different things like one of them, instead of doing liposuction, he pumps like fat into their leg. And then there's one where he cuts someone's brakes. And I think that's is this kind of like that revenge thing. Maybe it's not murder. Maybe it's like revenge against these girls. I think that's a little bit more Mean Girls. So obviously you've seen the film of Mean Girls. Yes. And we've you've listened to some of the songs from the musical. I've listened to the um, Rocking Around the Pole. Yeah. Rock, rock, rocking around the pole. The, um, that episode of American Dad that you're talking about is way more Mean Girls leaning okay, than Heather's. Enough. 
But obviously Mean Girls was then based on Heathers. So there's always going to be links. It does feel interesting that with Heathers, we're kind of at this point that we've got a lot of like teen, angsty, high school um, exploit musicals, but also a little bit more adult. Well, and I think it's also very much that the reason why Mean Girls is still such a good film and obviously there are issues with it based on yeah. when it was made, but is because to this day, there's always that girl in mm-hmm. secondary school or high school or whatever you want to call it, who acts like... The queen. Heather yeah. Chandler or Regina George. You know, there's always the queen bee and there's so, always that one girl who's a bully and gets away with it just because of who she is. And it's it's just a thing that happens and it's not a good thing. No. But I think that's why these kind of things get made. These tropes because... come from that idea that still exists. Yeah. Obvi- what came first? I mean, between... so obviously I know that Buy My Cheerleader was a fairly new one. It had its London debut and I think that was its kind of worldwide debut. Mm-hmm. Be More Chill, obviously, fairly newer show yeah. as well. Mean Girls, old but not as old as Heather's. Mm-hmm. So it's Heather's kind of the popularity of this show is maybe influenced musical theatre in the sense of we are having more of these teenage stories like this I think in terms of the way that the stories are being told certainly yeah the other thing I think Heather's might also be very well known for right now in terms of its online kind of presence is very much that there's the meme of the fact that Heather's is also known as the swing show yes there's been a lot of controversy about Heather's not always having a cast. And there was somebody, and I and I apologise because I don't know the name of the performer, but there was a performer that people were joking about had played every role in Heather's Now and was going to single-handedly do the show for the pro shot because of how many illnesses and, and, and because of a lack of understudies or swings being hired. Yeah, so Hannah Lowther rose to fame on tiktok because during the pandemic sang in tesco was working in tesco's yes and she would video herself singing and dancing in tesco's and it was great she then got cast in heathers as a swing and obviously part of the ensemble she was oh why can't i remember basically all of the ensemble characters in heathers have names Mm -hmm. so she was playing this one i think she was new wave girl okay was the character that she was playing it's like very stereotypically 80s with what people picture you know and so she was playing that role she then played every single heather over the course of the show because obviously heathers reopened uh when the other theatres did, I believe. It might have been slightly earlier than the other theatres in the pandemic, yeah. when all of the theatres were starting to reopen again. And obviously people were ill, so swings are very highly valued at that time. However, for this show, there were not enough cover to go on. So you would have cut shows, which is where you have... There are other names for it, but it's where you have a tightened version of the show so you would cut certain songs you would cut certain parts of it with cats specifically yeah um you have basically a bunch of the ensemble cats play multiple roles throughout the show based on who's necessary for that scene yeah 
It's like, who can we get rid of to make this scene Could you imagine, though, if you were booking, finally, your Heather's experience and you're at one of these cut shows? Well, this is the thing. And they what they tend to do is alert people as far in advance as they possibly can. But with However, the pandemic, you couldn't do that. No. And your show is still on. Yeah. So, you know, you can still go and see it. But yes, eventually, Hannah Lauda did play all three Heathers. And I believe Veronica at one point. But yeah, she just, she did everything. Yeah. And so the joke was, she is in the, the filmed version of it. The joke was she would play everyone yeah. in the filmed version. I also know that there's a TikTok you like of like theatre kid. You know, there's this, there's this, you know, there's, the, I don't know who does the TikToks, but the girl with the blue hair wig and that you keep showing me because it's almost like, oh my God, it's a car crash. They're doing the high, the high school production of Heathers and it follows on like it's a sequel series that the same person did where they did Beauty and the Beast. Yes. And you've um, got the girl with the blue wig who's like this obnoxious, like I'm better than everyone else and they're currently doing Heathers. So we'll watch a lot of it and we'll just keep hearing Candy Store, which is why I think I know that song better than anything else. Yes. Emily Evans, spelled E-H-M-I-L-Y, Evans, uh, has this ongoing series on TikTok. It's a skit, yeah. basically. And I really but it's like really it. good. <laughs> I really like it. And, you know, if you've not seen her content on TikTok, absolutely go check out. It's a lot of fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you've performed before, I think it might just you know, ring a few bells and and if you've certainly directed before, again, you'll be aware, you'll have you'll have lived this kind of experience, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well so following on from this was off Broadway in twenty fourteen. Yes. It started in t- two thousand and nine when they were workshopping it, actually with Kristen Bell playing Veronica. Wow. Yes. And a whole bunch of people playing everyone else, but they kept Kristen Bell pretty much through the original run of it yeah it basically is a cult musical now it's a cult film anyway but it's now a cult musical too and the multiple high school theater fans were begging for the rights to put on high school performances of heathers and so for licensing lawrence o'keefe and kevin murphy who are the writers, Writers, yeah. uh, did a PG-13 version of it. And so they got rid of all of the profanity from the show. Uh, Most of the songs were rewritten. Well, so this is where I know that Blue got cut. Yes, they cut the song Blue and replaced it with You're Welcome. And since then, that change has been made official in the actual performance because O'Keefe and Murphy have said that they actually prefer... You're welcome to Blue. I agree. I think it's very important. Both of those songs are about sexual assault. Which, the first time I heard Blue, I thought it came from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. It's way too fun for the topic. So when you told me it's about sexual abuse, I was like, what? Yeah. That that doesn't work. That defeats the point of what this song should be about. Yeah, and your welcome is much more clear about what is happening and not damning of what is happening. Yeah. But blue is a bop. <laughs> so... Blue is an absolutely brilliant song. I, I genuinely thought <laughs> it shouldn't be that good, and that's the issue. That's yeah. why they got rid of it. I genuinely thought it's crazy ex girlfriend because the people that sing it in the the one on Spotify kind of sound like Prince Hans, mm-hmm. who is you know 
one of the characters in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And I thought it was just very much him. Like, I know they get together at some point in the show. Yeah. So I thought it was just him getting on, you know, being like, oh, come on, it's, you know, a silly song, but it's part of a comedy. So then to hear it was from this, it's kind of like, oh, it doesn't stop it being a really fun song, but I'm intrigued to see what the change is because I, I have not heard your welcome. Yeah. I've heard the one for Moana, but... <laughs> well, so Lawrence O'Keefe worked on Legally Blonde, which okay. you did not like. No, I think for similar reasons that, you know, a lot of the jokes aren't as appropriate as they should be. Um, and Kevin Murphy, who you will know from Desperate Housewives. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's a writer in Desperate Housewives okay, cool. for ages. I was thinking Ryan Murphy. No. I was like, it's not the person who wrote Glee. No, he was the head writer on Desperate Housewives when cool. it won an Emmy Award. But yeah, he's done loads of stuff. But specifically, he worked with Lawrence O'Keefe for Heathers. Before we head out to watch this one, obviously you're kind of like, I like this. Mm-hmm. It's an okay show. I enjoy it. You you think your enjoyment will probably be better if we're in a crowd that isn't a traditional Heathers crowd? Yes, I think it's going to be interesting to see what a tour audience is like compared to the residency audience. Mm. Do you think I'm going to enjoy this one? Yes. Yeah. Why? Because you like Book of Mormon and that's a dark comedy. So I think this is also going to fit into that sort of spot. Fair enough. So, yes, obviously, we're going to be coming back uh, very shortly after we visit the fantabulous, so very new Victoria Theatre in Woking. Obviously, like we've already said, a huge content warning in place for the second half of this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, We completely understand if you're going to stop listening here and we'll see you next week where we're going to uh, talk about Moulin Rouge. But uh, if you are coming back, uh, we will be back to talk all things Heather's the Musical after intermission. And we are back. Yes, but was it big fun? We survived high school. (laughs) So very... uh, Nearly didn't. (laughs) I am really looking forward to talking to this one. You enjoyed this. Yeah, it was good. It was was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, The crowd was not what you'd kind of set up to me. I think they were quite refrained. Yes, I think the majority of the... Big fan interaction was happening. Up big in fan the, <laughs> happening up in the circle. Yes, which is very interesting. But then also, you know, this show is the fan base for this show is predominantly teenagers, so cheaper tickets, cheaper seats. Yes, there were a few people that we saw arriving with their croquet mallets, mm-hmm. which again is, you know, yep. I wonder what happens with that. Well, you know, maybe were they told to leave at the door by the security, but. You know, 
I didn't see the months we were in. Uh, I did. Did you? Yeah. Fair enough. It is what it is. It was a fun night, and I don't think the audience let us down. You know, there was certainly a lot of whoops and cheers. But not what I experienced when yeah, I went not... to see in London, which was like screaming if JD and Veronica so much as touched each other. Yeah, you know, it was the right kind of note. It was when the Heathers made their entrance, you know, things like that. It was mm-hmm. big moments. It was less rocky horror and people getting involved and singing along and it was more just there to have a good time which is nice yep we had a very in-depth conversation about the uh, safety curtain when we arrived we did yeah there weren't enough like stripes or stars on the american flag but then you said about how the back side didn't match the front side and how oh, the way it had been painted yeah it was more annoying that the typography at the bottom, the school, Westerberg High School name where it was written, because it's like a facade of the yes. front of the school sign, wasn't uniform in the lettering. And it's obviously hand lettering, which and is it's fantastic. It's amazing. It's gorgeous to look at. This and is very much the same as when we went to see Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. So we were sat for too long just looking at this and we had more time just we to like, overthought everything overthink that was everything. Happening. Yeah. Um, but by being in there for much longer we saw these things so like you say like some of the e's were longer than the other e's and then there were some gaps that were bigger and you know the sort of things that upset my typography brain exactly that only you would notice and then make (laughs) me notice and forever see yep sorry this is a very like crisp show like the lighting i think is such a huge character in this Mm -hmm. and you know, especially when you get these moments of asides. So the very first song we get is Beautiful. Yes. Dear Diary. Yeah. And right from the get-go, you have this, like, spotlight on Veronica. Mm-hmm. And there's different moments where Veronica does the Dear Diary and it's her internal thoughts. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is, is frozen on the stage or at least moving, but we have the spotlight on her. And there's so many different moments where the lights are just incredible that we'll, you know, we'll talk about a few of them as we go. But I think this is a really great opening number. You establish that high school is hell. Yeah. Really well. I love our introductions to the Heathers in this sequence. I love how minimalistic, I want to say, the set is. It is quite minimalistic. It's just, you know, your backdrop. Yeah, but that... So in this sequence of Beautiful, we're obviously in the cafeteria. Yes. Everybody's got a lunch tray, but they're used as a part of the choreography. Yes. Which is really funny because they do exactly that in the Mean Girls musical. So it's funny to see, like, it's carried across. When the the Heathers make their entrance... The Veronicas... When the Heathers make their entrance, like you say, it's an amazing moment. Mm-hmm. You know, they um, are backlit and they have this, like, smoke that comes out. And they all, like, spin at the same time. Yeah, they're in that pose that's on the uh, programme where they're back and they just spin. That's a moment where you have this huge cheer. Like, mm-hmm. Veronica didn't get this. People are here for the Heathers. Which isn't great, but sure. I mean, certainly there was a lot of people in Heather's colours as well. Yes. Um, But it's such a great moment when they come out and then they take over and you see that they are the Queen Bees. 
Mm-hmm. You know, this is a great introduction to Veronica that she's just trying to survive. Yeah. Poor Martha, who is really sweet and mm-hmm. just sees the best in everyone, despite, you know, you know, have that friend who forever remains an optimist no matter what they go through. Yeah. That's her. Mm. And you have like your dumb jocks. Ram and Kurt. Yes. And. You know, the way, things they say, like, are nasty. Like, you've got... Well, they, I think one of my favourite... And it's not a nice thing, but it's mm. one of my favourite things about our introduction to... Do you know what? I actually can't remember which one it is. One of them. Yeah. Veronica says to him, you know, what gives you the right to pick on my friend? You're going to be a gas station attendant. She's having this massive go at him. in high school. Yeah. And then he, he doesn't really have an answer to that. So he does the complete typical high school bully thing just knocking he goes you have a zit right there oh yeah and that oh my god flashback to secondary school where people would say stuff like that and it was the most devastating thing someone could say to you like even more than everything she's just said because she's being really eloquent but that one little thing can just destroy yourself but it really does establish you know like the characters so well Mm -hmm. you know we're very quick into this and we we know what everyone's about. We know that Veronica's got this great, like, moral kind of compass. Do you remember what the three Heathers are introduced as? Like, how they're introduced? Because Veronica tells us about the three of them. Weak-willed. No. No? She doesn't say any of that. Like, I know you're talking about McNamara. She yes. is weak-willed, but... Um, I know that, and, and is this the point where we get the reference to Heather Duke being bulimic? No, that's that later slightly on? later on. So we have Heather McNamara, head cheerleader. Yep. Uh, she's loaded because her dad sells engagement rings. We have Heather Duke, who is the head of the yearbook committee. Yes. No discernible personality, but her mom paid for implants. Oh, yeah, and we have the yep. shimmy shimmy. Mm-hmm. And then Heather Chandler... She is a mythic B-word that I'm not going to say on our PG-rated podcast. Yes. Yeah, this is going to be quite a hard <laughs> one to talk, to talk about, about, isn't it? Um, but yes, yeah, I remember the, the mythic B. Um, mm. That used to be my Xbox handle name. Really? Mm-hmm. What a loser. I know. Had nothing to do with the musical either. It was just the film. Yeah, it's it's a really great opening song. And then like, we go straight kind of into things. There's no like dilly-dallying around. We get straight into Veronica kind of becoming one with the Heathers. Hmm. The Heathers are in the bathroom and... Duke is... Making herself Duke throw up. is bulimic. Yeah. And then we get lines from... This is the thing, right? All of these... All of these jokes... It's a dark comedy... The point is they're drawing attention to these things by talking about them. And I guess it is a very common experience of schools because this is language that's used that for the adults to be like, oh, this can't be said. And then, Mm. you know, it is. Yeah. Well, and so I think it's Heather Chandler says Billy Mirror is so 87. Yeah. And it's not really brought up again for the rest of the show. No, I think this is the one kind of reference to the bulimia we have and then it's not picked up again. Mm-hmm. Your favourite teacher arrives to tell everyone Oh, well, we'll talk about that, but I despise her. And I, again, I think you're supposed to despise her. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the fact that it's just like, 
you're supposed to like when you don't, but Ms. Fleming, oh my days, is up there in terms of worst teachers with the one from Everyone's Talking About Jamie and Mr. Shoe. Yep. <laughs> I can't wait to inevitably do like a rate that teacher musical edition, you know? Yeah. You know, who's the, the, the best and the worst? Because she definitely ranks quite far down there. I yeah. wouldn't say she's as bad as Everyone's Talking About Jamie. Because this is a dark comedy and we know we're supposed to laugh at whereas with Jamie it's like This is just bad. This is just bad. Mm-hmm. And you know, Mr. Shoe. Is Mr. History, Shoe. History has been kind to him. Yeah. The um Yeah, so she comes in and she addresses like why why aren't you here? Do you have hall passes? And Veronica saves them. Yeah, she with... forges a hall hall pass because she is an excellent forger. Yes. Oh, and Duke asks if she does doctor's notes. Yeah. And, and then that's it. That's the end of that joke. And essentially, it's just, you know, even though... And it's it's kind of weird and jarring, because Veronica seems quite, like, head headstrong. And now here she is in the next scene, kind of being like, please let me be part of your gang. She's not asking to be a part of their gang, though. She says she, she craves no. a boon, which I love, that line. No. But she basically says to them, if you let me sit at your table, no talking required, um... People won't pick on me as much. Yeah. And they're like, that's hilarious. But actually, you're okay looking and we can do with your talent. So yeah. You're one of us now. Yeah. And it's quite, it is quite interesting. Like I said, it's a little bit jarring because there's this character that we've seen as being quite headstrong and but I think it's rise above internally this. Headstrong. But actually, yeah, it's, it's a nice difference between what you think you are at high school and what you are. Yeah. So it's quite nice. And yeah, she becomes... <laughs> we get... The makeover, but when McNamara says to her, uh, you have a very symmetrical face. If I took a meat cleaver down the centre of it, I would have two identical halves. That's very important. And that's very psychotic, but it, you know, if the way these things are said, it's great. And we have this thread. So obviously, now that she's a little bit popular and she gets her big grand entrance as well. Mm -hmm. She has... I think it's something like 12 seconds to do this quick change. Mm. And so she has the Veronica blue Heather's costume yeah. on underneath the dress that she's wearing. But she has the shoes and socks on already. Yeah. She just pushes the socks down and then they just yoink them up. Yeah. So it's that... a very cool moment when then she comes out and she gets her big entrance as a, mm. the new Heather. But she does not have a lot of time to no. do that change. It's a very, But it makes it even more amazing. It's that like stage magic. Mm-hmm. We get a, a sort of reworking of the when the Heathers were introduced it was Heather Heather and Heather and that that was it and with this one it's Heather 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 and someone and they're trying to figure out who it is and it's not till Martha recognises Veronica that people know who she is now I really like this that kind of internal turmoil that Veronica faces like as she becomes more part of the Heathers the issues that she has with Martha Mm -hmm. you know Martha's her best friend has been for years we know that Martha has a crush on Ram? Yeah. And that, this is because they used to date in kindergarten and they kissed. They didn't date. Well, you know what I mean. Like, date loosely as in, you know, teenagers date. But they, they literally, it's like, oh, you dated this person? Yeah, we, we were going out for an hour and then we split up because mm. it was, you know, childhood nonsense. Like, yeah, that's they what... shared a, a mat during nap time. That's it, you know. One time. But they, they kissed. And she thinks that, Ram still holds, that person, yeah, yeah, ha, ha, has has a, a fondness for her, 
and throughout all of this, you know, and, and throughout the, the, the show, what we see is Veronica kind of her moral scale taking away from Martha and towards, you know, Heather's. Mm-hmm. And we see her struggle with this. And, and it happens very quickly where they want her to forge a love letter from Ram to Martha, basically saying, you know, invite her to this party that Ram is throwing make her think that she wants him and you know at this point veronica doesn't want to do it yeah but she does anyway and we see how easily tempted she is mm. and that's you know because we get the absolute bop that is candy store i would do anything anyone told me to if they sang this song this has the excellent lighting. At the end, yeah, where the the specific colour spotlights come up on them right at the end. So you've mm-hmm. obviously got uh, Chandler in the red, mm-hmm. and then you've got Duke in the green, McNamara in the yellow, and uh, Veronica in the blue at the end. And it's such a cool way to end Veronica's it. Veronica's not included in it. It's I just thought she was in blue. No, I was... Mm-hmm. I was oh, okay. Not at this point. The, um... <laughs> the best bit of this song is when um, Duke tries to take over and... Uh, Heather Shut Chandler just up, Heather. pushes her down and then gets on with it. Yeah, that's great. My my favourite bit of this song is in the moment where... So the note gets delivered to Martha. Yes. And while the Heathers are waiting for Veronica to make her decision about whether or not to betray Martha, yeah. they stand and they do their little like hip shimmy. Yeah. And the, all in their skirts, all in the same pose, just like... Dun, it's dun, very good. Dun, the choreography dun, dun. is so precise in this. Mm-hmm. I think now's a good time to talk about Verity Thompson, who plays Heather Chandler. Yes. Because when you look at her CV, compared to everyone else's, she graduated Mount View in 2022. Yeah, she's a fresh human. Yeah, you know, in, on, in terms of theatre, she's done Cinderella at the Wickham Swan. She was in... Sometimes old friends at the Sondheim Theatre, and Ma- she she contributed to Magic at the Musicals, which I would assume is an ensemble thing, knowing what Magic at the Musicals is usually like. Yeah, you know, and then she's done uh, Legally Blonde and Carousel whilst training. You would not know that she was like a baby in terms of her career. No, she's fantastic. You know, and for such a demanding role as well, mm-hmm. and she just does it so easily. Yeah. Like, if she's this good... She made it look so easy. Yeah, if she is this good now, watch this space. You know, you could be looking at, like, the future of musical theatre. I think she's absolutely phenomenal. And this is a huge, like, endeavour to do as well, because Heather's started touring in 2019, Mm -hmm. I believe, for the UK. Like, it did its first kind of tour then. But I don't know how much of that got done and cancelled because of the pandemic there are probably a lot of people who adore heathers have never had the chance to see it in london this is going to be their first experience of it and she is like their definitive heather chandler Mm -hmm. and that's it's a huge gamble to take on this show for such an iconic character she nails it she absolutely nails it we have uh, billy bowman who plays heather mcnamara She's fantastic. She has done Heather's at the Other Palace. And she was also in But I'm a Cheerleader. Oh, so she was. Which, you know, very, very endearing. I don't know if she was in it when we saw it or... 
maybe a transfer. Maybe wasn't a big role when we saw it anyway. Uh, it's nearly a year ago since we saw that. When That's this episode crazy. launches, it will be like 353 days since we saw But I'm a Cheerleader the Musical. Yeah. Which is, you know, your best show of last year, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And, you know, it was also one of the best... Uh, was it best off Brett best off West End at the What's on Stage Awards? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then we have Elise Saval, who is Heather Duke, graduated from GSA in 2021, so also fairly new. Was a swing in Fantastically Great Women Who Changed the World, which was that up at Edinburgh Fringe? It was, yeah. I wanted to see that while we were there, but it was totally booked out. Yeah, we the didn't get a chance time. to see it for the time we were there. So, would she have potentially been in that then? Hmm. The Heather's. Uh, I think this is the thing. More so than anyone Obviously, there's an element of you go for Veronica and JD's relationship, but this show is called Heather's, and I think a lot of people are going into this for them and their dynamic between the three of them. It's utterly brilliant mm. and candy store i'm glad it is so early because it establishes everything about them and it's a really good song to just like immerse yourself into this world yeah and what is going to be expected of veronica going forward and how ready she is to just mm. ditch Martha. it says more about veronica than it does the heathers doesn't it yeah. really that you know in this dog eat dog high school mm-hmm Veronica, who says she's better than everyone else, or at least thinks she is, isn't. She's the same. Yeah. We uh, meet a mysterious new new kid. Yeah, he shows up, he quotes... I can't remember what the poem is, but basically he's criticising Veronica for betraying Martha. Yeah. And she's like, don't quote that person at me. And he's like, oh. You know who this person is. Hmm. I'm really annoyed that I can't remember who it is, but, you know. And Kurt and Ram don't like that he's shown up and is all, like, tall, dark and mysterious. Yes, and now flirting with a new Heather who suddenly is of interest they to they haven't had their chance at Veronica yet. Yeah. We'll get to that. But, yeah. And then they are super homophobic to him. Yep. And he's... And a great audience because there wasn't anything near us. Nobody laughed. Nobody yeah, laughed at the that. uncomfortable homophobic language. Again, it, it it needs to be it. People need to be subjected to how harsh these words are and the, the truth of the world that we live in. But we don't want to hear the audience laughing when they say a slur. Yeah. You know? uh, JD beats them up. I love this sequence because <laughs> it's slow motion. Yeah, fight for me. They're doing it. This, the first one's slow motion, and the next time we have it, it's a still image. I'm pretty certain. It becomes a still image as Veronica gets further She does, because the there's a moment where they hold, and you can see them holding it, and you're like, this is amazing. They're holding it with such precision. I can't even see them shaking. Yeah, Jacob Fowler, who was playing JD, was fantastic. I, he blinked a lot during mm. that freeze frame. I was like, it's going to be really hard not to laugh. saw an old tweet of his the other day mm. that was like um, two or three years ago being like, saw Heathers, it's amazing. 
I'm going to play JD someday. Look at that manifesting. Yeah. You know? Well, he was JD at the other palace as well. But that's what I mean is like, you know, he's, he, he's willed his way into it. He's brilliant. Um, JD does give off instant incel vibes for me. Milady. You know, and... It's because he's, he's been all judgy straight away and like throwing quotes at her that he thinks she's not going to understand. That's it. It's, it's very gatekeepy, isn't it? You know, like, yeah. oh, you mean you're a, a woman who plays D&D? Oh, well, surely you don't know about this, this and this. Well, this is the thing, right? And we talked about this actually during the interval of the show. Yeah. They introduce JD. He makes some little comments and we're like, ugh, this guy's kind of icky. I'm instantly just... Based on his costume, he looks suspicious to me anyway. And then he does this. It's a very interesting introduction to this character. Yeah. Because he's supposed to be someone who people find endearing. I well, don't. So the first song that we get from JD is Freeze Your Brain. Yes. And he does this whole trauma dump on Veronica. And it's just very... um. heavy yeah but in a like oh he's like a little lost puppy that i can fix and like that's obviously what they're going with for this and i think it is very much um obviously i know how this comes before this Mm -hmm. but what i'm going to call edward cullen syndrome yes (laughs) like oh my god he has such a traumatic backstory and he's so broken but the love of a woman will make him soft and it's like, okay. <laughs> no, I can see that, absolutely. And you can't th- fix him. He needs therapy. But th- so this is the thing, is I feel like this song, when we first meet him, I'm like, oh, red flags, red flags, red flags, red flags. But And then he sings and it's like, oh, he can sing. But the way really he yeah, well. when he goes when he does freeze your brain, which we are skipping ahead a little bit, but when he does freeze your brain, you're suddenly like, Oh, he's he's just he's he's not as bad. He's you know, he's he's kind of quite nice. He's just broken. Fight for me is a great song. You know, this happens during the fight sequence. I love again the spotlight and the the lighting effects of this one, and I just love the whole like I'm smarter than this, but why am I? Why can't I not look away? What's going on with me? Mm. It's very um, the bit in Freaky Friday. It's like my brain controls my body parts type thing. You know, like. She's just completely infatuated straight away. And it's this primal, like, thing that nobody quite understands. Yeah. We get one small sequence with Veronica and her parents. And it's the the only moment where we get the croquet. Is the Heathers are playing croquet in Veronica's back garden. And Heather Chandler is incredibly rude to Veronica's mum. Mm-hmm. And they all head off to go to a party. Heather's, uh, Veronica's mum says, "I don't want you hanging out with those girls." Uh, Veronica pleads and says, "It's just going to get me through high school." So they allow it. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised we didn't see them again. Well, we did right at the end, but more frequently. It feels weird to introduce them as characters and then not have them. I feel like you do in the film, but then I also haven't seen the film for a long time. I realise watching this that I haven't seen all of the film. I must have given up on it. Hmm. Makes me want to go back and rewatch the film. Hmm. Which I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that over the next two weeks. Yeah. You know, between this week and next week. Yeah, we get the 7-Eleven sequence. Um, 
wear JD. And again, this feels so weird. Like it's look at me. Oh, what is it? So you've got the uh, manic pixie dream girl. JD is the male version of that where he's like, do you not know of the greatness that is a Slurpee? You know, and you're like, you're coming across really eccentric and really just fascinating because you're so otherworldly. You know, like he's he, he's very much a male Ramona Flowers. Yes. There is obviously it's Manic Pixie Dream Boy. Yeah. Um, other people call it the Michael Sarah. Yeah. Well, Scott Pilgrim. Yes. Yeah. And then there's somebody came up with a really good version of it that was like Manic Depressed Dream Boy. Yes, <laughs> and like, that's definitely yeah, what this much. one comes up with. Whereas it's. You know, it, it, and again, it very much speaks volumes over the social norms for men versus women that, you know, women who are neurodivergent mask it a lot more because they have to be socially acclimatised, mm. which is why they come across as the manic pixie dream girls as opposed to the manic depressed dream boys who are, mm. you know. Yes, the manic pixie dream boy is defined as a self-mythologizing, free-spirited dude who's determined to make your life magical whether you want it to be yeah, or not. Yeah, that is JD. Yes. Examples are Ferris Bueller. Yes. Jack from Titanic, which I wouldn't have thought of, but actually, when you think about it, yep. 100%. And Augustus Waters from The Fort and I thought you were going to say Augustus, Augustus Gloop. Gloop. <laughs> That'd be cool. That's no... But yeah, um... Yeah, he is the manic pixie dream boy. And because this entire show is framed with the narrative of it being Veronica's journal. Yes. Or diary or whatever we're calling it. This is how she sees him. Mm -hmm. And I like that is that he slowly evolves and morphs over the time goes on where she starts to see who he is. Mm -hmm. That's really I do nice. think it's very unhealthy that he just drops all of this trauma stuff on her straight away. Because they're, like, having a casual little flirt. He's like, here, have a slushie. And she's like, no, thank you. And then he's like, no, you're going to have a slushie. By the way, here's all of my past trauma and emotional issues. I, I mean, it's an abusive trait. Yeah. It's that you'll never leave me now because I've told you what I have. And it's very much a controlling thing. Like, JD is an abusive partner. Yes. Absolutely. We get much more into that yes. as we go on. But this is like a warning sign. I do really Red like... flags all yeah. over the place. I, whilst I don't like the character, I really like the performance. And... The portrayal know. of the character. Because I think there are definitely... Versions of this type of character who do exactly the same thing. They drop all their trauma on their love interest straight away. And then the two of them are like, bonded forever we're going to stay together forever because I take care of him and he takes care of me. And then we just act like that isn't an issue. Whereas here, he gets bad really quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he does. It's like two songs from now. But I do really like the um, bit as well where he pauses just to slurp on his slurpee. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice, like, little moment. You know, Jacob Fowler's brilliant in the role. Like, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. yeah and it, I think, you know, like Verity Thompson, he makes it look easy. Mm. Like, absolutely uh, brilliant. We So we go to the party. Um, it's Ram's homecoming party. We've had these nice bits as um, JD and Veronica are talking with Heather Chandler being like, 
Veronica from the car. Corn nuts. Yeah, you know that's really fun. <laughs> yeah. And we go to Big Fun, which is also a really fun sequence. Mm-hmm. I love. We meet Kurt Ram's dads. Oh yeah, like and before they get going, we see that they're like you know Kurt and Ram are big men, and then their dads are there, and they're suddenly like. Little boys, yeah. Little boys, which again is very much like the toxic masculinity mm-hmm. of, you know, this begets this begets this. And the second their dads go, they get like, yeah, we're going to do this, dude. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, big fun. Great sequence. Really good little party. We obviously see some great choreography and Veronica get more drunk. And then Martha arrives and they're going to deliver this big prank because it's going to be the butt of the jokes. You've got this great walkway at the top of the stage, kind of like Jersey Boys. Yeah. Which they use quite a bit of some nice depth for the stage. And they've got a piñata. And because originally the piñata is of the pig, which is their rival school's mascot. Yes. And... They've repurposed this pig piñata to look like Martha because, you know, she's Martha Dump Truck. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, you know... As nicknames go, they could have come up with something better than yeah, that. Yeah, and it's it, she's such a sweet character as well and it's such an easy well, thing... Well, she gets picked on. Though. I know, and it's such an easy thing for them to pick on is her size. I didn't mean that like it's okay, no. but like it is just... When somebody like that is getting bullied, it just doesn't make any sense. I know because she's so nice. Like it, it's 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 too easy. Yeah. You know she's not even react. You know it's just like she doesn't react at all. It's it's essentially you want you there's this jealousy that I think she's the only character here that is happy. Mm-hmm. And there's a jealousy, and I know it sounds so cliche to be like, oh, they bully you because they're jealous. They want to bring you down to their size. I think that's what it is, certainly here. And Kingsley Morton does a brilliant job as her, you know, keeping the optimism. You know, you feel really bad for her throughout. There's no point where, like, you laugh at her, I think. Yeah. You're laughing at her. You know, even when she does, like, her awkward run off the stage, it's endearing. Everything about her is really cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, the, the uh, joke is going to be that she's going to hit this piñata, they've put a blindfold on her, she's going to turn around and it's her as a pig. And this is where Veronica is like, nope, nope, not doing this. And she quits the group. Like, she throws the piñata out the window, quits the group, and vomits on Heather. Yes. Which is maybe my one criticism of the show, really, is that she throws up and then Heather turns around like, and there's nothing on her. She throws up on her shoes. No, because she's brushing off her top. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of the film. Yeah. Because in the movie, it's like, oh my God, these shoes were so expensive kind of thing. Yeah, I I don't really know what they were going for with that sequence. It's the one criticism is the fact that she turns around and she certainly looks like she's shaking off from her outfit. Maybe it is supposed to be her shoes and maybe it wasn't clear. But as critiques go, I mean, that's so minimal. It's proper, like, nitpicky. Uh, There's this great bit where... Veronica shouts at Martha to go home. Mm-hmm. And then Heather's like, oh, you thought you had it worse previously. Yeah. Just you wait. 
because no one's going to talk to you. What are you going to do? Because I, I know where I'm sitting on Monday lunchtime. You know, and it is. Oh, yeah. Just, I know who I'm eating lunch with. It's so evil. Mm-hmm. It's so evil. And it shouldn't sound as bad as it is, but it, it does. It's like she's she's made a mistake. She can't come back from here. Yeah. So in her drunken state, we have dead girl walking. If I'm if I'm a dead girl anyway, mm-hmm. why not have some fun? She sneaks in the window of JD's bedroom. Yep. And loses her virginity to him. Yeah, and I've seen lots of people talk about this. Because... Yes, he consents to it. Um, but also she broke in. You've also got the issue of yes, he consents to it. And she is fine with it the next day. But she's also super drunk. She's also super drunk. Mm-hmm. And what if the next day there was no consent because of her drunken state? He should not be taking advantage of her, which again, red flag for JD. I don't think he has anything to do with the advantage taking. The way that this whole sequence is staged, because she she's the one in control the entire time yeah great nice to see a female character taking control of her own sexuality and that's clearly what they're going for with this however number one they're children and number two well they're well they are children i'm not going to argue that but they're 17 closer to 18 correct Mm. which they're still children i'm not disputing that point at least they're not like 14 and 15 year olds somehow that makes it feel better sometimes 17 year olds act dumber than 14 i know they do but but yeah there's that issue and then also it feels like she's forcing him just in the way that it is staged he and the lyrics of the song like he's asking her questions while she's doing all of this stuff trying to get to know her instead how do you know where i live uh like and then she's kind of having a go at him and he's like, okay. Although I, I should do the Kermit version. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Which, if you don't know what that is, look it up on TikTok because it's hilarious. Um, but yeah. It, I mean, this is it. It doesn't come it's across... It's a good scene. I think it's the highest note in this show. Yeah. And we've not really talked much about Veronica's performance, but Jenna Inez, absolutely brilliant. Oh, um, she is insanely talented and the... This show is, like, well-known for being very difficult to sing. Mm -hmm. It is also well-known for seriously damaging performers' voices. And Jenna Inez, like Verity Thompson, just made this look easy. Yeah, and she was brilliant as well. You know, I think, Veronica, you need to have a character that you can still kind of root for, even through all the mistakes she makes. Mm -hmm. And you have that with Jenna Inez. I I, I did not expect the whole, like, shirt-busting open yeah. You know, um, it's a very climatic scene. It's a very good scene. It's problematic, like you say, but it moves the plot forward. Mm-hmm. You know, and really, I tell you what, the re- I think, to go to your point of JD doesn't seem like he's in control, I think he knows. Yeah. He knows he's in control. Mm. He's getting his hooks into her, you know? And and I think if anything, he's like, oh well, that was quick. Yeah, exactly. Like, you think he does this to every girl, like one girl in every town? I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if if there is that with him. Yeah. 
maybe not. Maybe this is the first time he's got a girl that he actually likes because he sees them as an equal. Mm, I think it's more, he doesn't see her as an equal no, at but all, the whole, but it's like, more like, she's not like other girls, yeah. I need to protect her. Yeah, it's you like, know, okay. because like the whole poetry thing is such a big deal. I reckon he's had this sort of thing with other girls. Which is crazy, because the whole point of Veronica, I think, I'm sure mm-hmm. other people read into this differently, is that she's exactly like all these other girls. That's like the thesis of this show, is that all of these kids are the same. They're just kids, and they're going to behave these ways because they don't have fully formed brains yet (laughs) exactly so the next morning they wake up and it's all like oh very nice very romantic you were my first you know Mm -hmm. but also i've got to go make amends and hopefully things can get sorted before the end of my high school life Mm -hmm. so he agrees to go and we get heather in her bedroom and you know she's she's sound asleep And they come in, she says she's going to make a hangover cure for her. And JD jokes about killing her with drain cleaner. And, you know, Veronica plays along. It's like, oh, yeah, but she'd see it. Have you seen the colour of that? And he's like, he gets a porcelain mug and he goes, it's probably so dark in there she wouldn't see. He pours one in and she laughs and she's like, oh, you're so bad. And it does come across in that same joke. Like, this is very much a joke at this point because... It's a weird joke. It's a weird joke, but it's like, oh, ha, 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 yeah, no, I could kill them for you if you want. And, you know, you know they're not going to, but Mm -hmm. she mixes up her hangover cure with the bleach uh, and the toxic drain cleaner, and she takes it up. The thing is, though, as she picks up the wrong one... JD notices. JD goes, Veronica... Because he knows what she's doing. As she's walking away. And then he decides that that's it. That he's happy for Heather to Exactly. And this is when you start to really like, oh. And I was surprised that it came this early. Because I knew that the Heathers were going to drop left, right and Mm centre. But we've barely got any of Heather Chandler at this point. You know? Mm -hmm. We're like halfway through Act 1 at this point. And I thought it was just going to make her slightly sick. And Veronica was going to get a taste for, for it and be like, yeah, we'll go all the way. Nope. No, she just straight up kills Heather. Yep. And, you know, they they forge a suicide note, which, again, that small little MacGuffin of, you know, what can Heather do? What can Veronica do, sorry, has such a huge impact for this. Mm -hmm. They fake her suicide note. And we have the me inside of me where they start off writing and they're kind of laughing as they write it because it's like, you know, if we're going down, we'll give it a try, but no one's going to buy this. Yeah, we have a couple of police officers who come in. Some One of them is like, oh, is it a murder? And the other one's like, nah, there's a suicide note. Because it's that convincing and they just buy it straight away. Well, I think it's more it's that convenient. Yeah, so that's it. And then we see the impact it has around the school, you know, the fictionalised, dead, suicidal Heather Chandler. The version of them that they're talking about, this girl that like wanted to give all of her stuff to charity after she's dead and how she felt like everyone just saw her as a pretty face and actually she's so much deeper underneath and like yeah. all this stuff where we basically find out via Heather Chandler it wasn't true at yeah. all. But I do really like this, the fact that Heather Chandler's still going to be a character in this. She's just a ghost who's going to haunt mm-hmm. Veronica, I also like that, and as we'll talk about in a bit anyway, 
you spend your afterlife in what you died wearing. Apparently, yes. So she's in those pyjamas. As Veronica... I, I like The Me Inside of Me. It's a fun song. We've listened to it a few times since. Mm-hmm. It's it's a nice, like... It sounds weird to say upbeat number for what it is, but it is. And yeah. I really like the bit at the end where Veronica's... Uh, where well, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm so sorry. Where Heather is, like, celebrating on the stage where she's, like, interacting with all these different background characters. And she's just like... I'm so popular. I'm bigger than John Lennon. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like, which, good for her. She has not learned her lesson in no, death. No, She's... no. And she won't. But I think that's the point of the ghosts as well, is that they stop exactly where they are. Yeah. I like how, you know, as she starts berating Veronica through all of this, and it's just like, what do you think you're doing, honestly? She's, she she raises a really interesting question. Mm. You thought I was bad, but just watch. Because without me, there's going to be chaos. Yep. You thought I was bad. You're going to wish you had me. Mm-hmm. And then we see Heather Duke becoming a little bit dominating over Heather McNamara. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of alludes to what could happen. Yeah. We have a little bit of an exchange between um, JD and Veronica. Is this where we meet JD's dad? Yeah. And he's nasty and basically is like, oh, he says that awful bit. He's like, I could have any girl I wanted. Instead of being like, there are more girls for you. It's like, I could have any girl. Oh, that's near the end. I know what you're talking about. He says... um, there are girls in every town. I could easily make yeah. another son. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> I thought you were just going to be Chill like, out, my yeah. dude. So uh, this exchange ends. She gets a phone call from the two remaining Heathers who are like, oh, can you come pick us up? Yeah, she's like, oh, we're out at this farm slash field place. And my battery's gone dead. I need a lift. Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay, cool. I'll come get you. She has her keys on a blue scrunchie yep. which i always think is really funny and she goes to collect them and ram and kurt are tipping a cow yes and then uh, is it mcnamara who's like well you know we don't want to do anything with them but they said they leave us alone if uh, we brought you here so uh, and they've got you know they they it's uh kurt said we had the could have the keys to his car if we got you to come out here so exactly. bye yeah so so and they they leave in kurt's car and they give the keys that are Veronica's to Kurt and Ram. We're now at a, a point where Kurt and Ram have Veronica's car keys. And very much, you know, if you want them, you're going to have to earn them. This is where we should have blue, but we instead get your welcome. And I am very glad that it's your welcome instead of blue. You know, having seen the scene in its context, it doesn't take away from blue being a great song that I'll listen to and have fun. Mm-hmm. But this song definitely fits it much better. And I really like your welcome. They come across... So much creepier. Yes. And you still have the fun of Kurt and Bram's parts of the songs where they are very clearly have 
no problem with what they're doing. They think that what they're doing is okay. It mm. obviously is something, first of all, that they've clearly tried to do to the Heathers. Yeah. Because in both versions, in the version with Blue, the Heathers are actually inside the car through this whole scene and they lock the doors so that Veronica can't get in. And then obviously in this version, they've left and they've swapped them being able to leave for getting Veronica here. And like Heather Chandler said, like she kept these two on a very tight leash. Yeah. And now they are nightmares. And this song is a lot better than where it was very much like blue is boyish antics. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, again, there's a slight lightness to what they're doing, but there's a sinister edge with the music and the stuff they're saying. Mm -hmm. And especially... You get the difference in tone between the two perspectives. So what the boys are saying compared to Veronica being like, okay, I need to remember everything I've ever known... About self-defense. About self-defense, but also about what to do in this situation. So there's a whole bit at the end where it says, like, these two are really volatile... So what I need to do is not get defensive. I need to stay really friendly and then accidentally sweep the leg. And it does end really funny when, you know, they land in the cow manure and it's like, it's in my hair. And you're kind of like, good, you've got what you deserve. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you've not, but not yet. But certainly it feels a lot. And it's not taken away. I still think Blue is a great song. However, I I think I'd feel uncomfortable watching this sequence with Blue. Mm Mm-hmm. We then cut back to high school and we're about to see the meteoric rise of Heather Duke who adopts the red scrunchie and sings Never Shut Up Again. Yeah, so she puts the red scrunchie on and McNamara is like... You can't do that. You can't do that. That's Heather's scrunchie. And she says, well, somebody needs to run this this place and it's going to be me. And McNamara's like, oh, shut up, Heather. And she's like, no! (laughs) will never shut up again. Yep. Got to how it goes Not at all the, no, but the I re- tune, but yes. I really like this song. It's really like triumphant. It's a great like villain song. Mm-hmm. And especially the moment, you know, where we get the really great, oh, we keep getting One of this. your favourite things oh, is... I love it. The, the tear reveal of a brand new costume that was underneath because she has her green, but right underneath they tear it off and it's red. And it's great because I had no idea because the costumes were perfectly aligned. Yep. You know, you couldn't see underneath. Slight mishap could ruin that theatre magic. This was perfection. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. We also have the bit where she... Um, she discredits... Veronica. Veronica. Who's trying to stand up to her and she discredits Veronica and says, you know, um, you know what Ram and Kurt will, will say, you know, that they... They both got with Veronica last night. Which they do. They come in and we keep the whole, we had a sword fight in her mouth. Mm -hmm. And as as this scene plays off, you do get the, a slight orchestral bit of blue. Yeah. Which is okay. I think that's the the best way for it. Um, You know, and JD steps up to defend Veronica. And gets completely beaten up. Yeah. Which is different this time. Because they know what they're dealing with this time. Yeah. So this leads to the the final part of Act One. As they kind of tend to their wounds. Oh, so they go to JD's house. Is this where they meet JD's dad? Yeah. And 
you've got the TV in the background mm-hmm. and they're getting his dad's guns out of a lockbox, which the dad never mentions anything about until in a minute. Yeah. And he says he's going to use Ikluge. Ikluge bullets. Yeah. Which he says are rubber bullets. Basically, yeah. Or tranquilizers, yeah. basically. And he's like, what we'll do is we'll have them be knocked out for like 24 hours, but you'll write a suicide note that makes it look like they were hooking up and, and that then, they were gay. And then when, every, when they wake up, everybody will think that they're a gay couple. And then, won't that be hilarious? But then also, and I guess just as bad, won't it be hilarious that they're so stupid they failed in their suicide attempt? Yes. So both of it, it's a very... Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that... I know that JD, obviously... I mean, everyone here is a villain, but of different levels. JD becomes the ultimate villain. But mm. he is a homophobe. Oh, 100%. And this I is would like, say a little bit that Veronica is as well for going along with this plan. Yeah, but this is like the first thing that he thought of. Yeah, and it's very much "Hmm, like... How can I make these boys look really stupid? I know. Yeah, how can we really discredit them? How can we, you know, ruin their memories, do all this? Mm. Which, considering how Act 2 is going to start, you know, shows that this show isn't... You know, isn't homophobic in the way we're kind of talking about. The characters are, I think, you know... Oh, would it be funny if we acted like they were gay? Mm. Is it funny? Yeah. JD has a line right at the end of this act where he says oh some good will come of this you'll see and then it does and it's I like know. oh and i hate that jd's right yeah but the plan is he shoots the tv i thought no i thought that happened that happens after that's where that that's in the second bit where he shoots after the confrontation with his dad that one i was certain happened when he was much more depraved and that's when veronica's like we're done Oh, yeah, okay, you're right. We're both getting muddled, because it's the same There's scene. too much. <laughs> and it is very much the same scene that plays out both times. It's both quite extreme. There's mm-hmm. nothing that resets it apart from, like, you know, like his dad blows up things for a living, and it's very much illegal, because once they do it, they leave town. He's a demo expert. What did he Deconstruction. Yeah. And we're going to learn, like, the true depths of it in the second time we see him. But both scenes are very similar. It's very difficult. It's not like one scene where his dad is more welcoming and then the next scene, dad goes psycho. Mm -hmm. He's bad the entire time. He's bad the entire time. It just gets worse. So Veronica calls Kurt and Ram. We're going to make, we're going to have a real threesome. Go on. If everyone thinks I've done it, we might as well do it. Yeah. And she says, oh, I'm so sorry about last night. I just, I couldn't make up my mind which one of you I want. And Wanted first, I think she says. She says want, because then she says, you should come and meet me, same field, same Mm -hmm. place. And I think it's Kurt that answered the phone is like, oh, Ram or me? And she says, yes. Yeah. And they're both like, oh my God. And so... (laughs) This is the thing, right? Obviously, what they were doing is horrific and mm-hmm. very wrong. It is by sheer luck that Veronica got away from them. Yep. And that's the point that's being made. That's why they put your welcome in instead of blue. However, they do a really good job of framing this scene to make it very, very clear that Kurt and Ram are children who don't actually have any of the bravado are that they, they're acting like are they virgins as well oh a hundred percent 
Because I think there's definitely been lines that allude to the fact that they've done something with the Heathers. Yeah, but this is the thing is like Heather Chandler would never have let them. That's it. And and she would not have let the others do it either because they are beneath them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there is a, you know, when they kind of feel like, oh, we're, this is going to happen. You see like proper all bravado drops. They're just kind of like stunned. Well, Ram shows up in a tie. Yeah. Because he obviously has the mentality of like, oh, this is important. It's a big deal. I'd better mm-hmm. dress up. You have the uncertainty of them saying to Veronica, okay, well, what do we do now? Yeah. As if she knows. Yeah. Well, but, she does. Well, yeah. But I think they do a really good job here of making it really clear that while these two play a big make a big noise they're actually have no idea what they're doing and while they do they're not harmless you know they they they're dangerous because of their mentality probably grow up yeah and that's the thing is deep down they're very much a a result of this high school when they went into the proper world they probably would mellow out a lot yeah assuming that they don't end up like their dads but then we see that their dads are capable of change as well. Yeah. So it's it's a whole thing of like really clever, really clever performances. And, you know, obviously it's in the script, but how much of it comes down to the actors and the choices that they're making for their characters. Yeah, and really, because this is the last time we are going to talk much about these two characters. They do show up as ghosts. They show up as ghosts. Which is fun. Spoilers, they're about to die. Alex Woodward, who plays Kirk Kelly, he's also quite new. Recent graduate, Mamma Mia on the West End, Morgan Jackson, who plays Ram, has done a lot more. Uh, they do a fantastic job at these characters. You know, I really like them. Morgan Jackson has been in Mamma Mia also on the West End, The Wedding Singer at the Troubadour uh, Theatre, where Newsies currently is, fame for the UK West End tour. Oklahoma, Gideon in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers when that toured the UK. And presumably it looks like quite a few pantos. Mm-hmm. They have a really nice dynamic between them and they play off their roles very well and they show off these insecurities very well. Uh, Veronica tells them to strip. There's a nice little moment where they're wearing the same pants and they're like same colour. Oh, they're like matching and they like... Chest bump, but with their groins. Yeah. And then this is where JD just comes out of the shadows and he he shoots Ram as Veronica misses Kurt. Mm-hmm. She realises the bullets are real and Ram is dead. Yeah. JD chases after Kurt, like tries climbing to get away. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. He says, what's your problem, man? And shoots him... He says to JD, what did I ever do to you? And JD's like, nothing. Yeah. And we end with our love is God, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, geez, he's a bad guy. And you're very much in Veronica's perspective at this point. You're like, shocked, like, mm. what have I got myself into? And it's a nice way to have that line come back from before, from your welcome, where Veronica says, like, her only hope of surviving this is to play nice. Yeah. She does that again here. She joins in, because our love is God is a duet. 
She joins in with it and lets him hold her. But the way that he's holding her, he's got the gun in front of her stomach. And it's so... The physicality of it is so dangerous. And it's just so nicely staged. Yeah, it's a really nice ending. Because, you know, it's kind of like we've built everything up just to tear it down in Act 2. You know, exactly. it's what we love to do in musicals. Exactly. It's all going to get worse from here. Well, it is. Uh, we're going to start with... And I knew I didn't know about this song, but I knew of it because of the merchandise. There was a really nice tote bag that said, My Dead Gay Son. Is that really nice? I say... <sighs> See, here's my issue, right? I wouldn't... I, th- th- this is it. I bought one at Moulin Rouge, which we'll talk about next week. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be... <sighs> I think I would not wear carrying that. a bag around yeah. that says, I love my dead gay son, the entire world does not know no. about Heather's the Musical and will not understand your bag. Yeah. I don't think that is the best design piece of merch. Considering everything else that's in this show, you know, like candy store. Well, considering you could easily have a tote bag that said, shine a light on it. Yeah. Or, like you say, anything from Candy Store. Yeah, uh, Big Fun. Heyo, Westerberg. Literally anything else. Literally, it frees your brain with a big picture of a Slurpee on yep. it. Easy. It, that's the thing. Is it fair? It's the first type bag that I'm like, mm, no, I don't want to buy this. But again, if you're going into the show and you've never seen it before, weird to have such a big spoiler. Mm. Right by the door. Because I thought... Okay, so I didn't know this was going to happen, like, to to the, the jocks. But there's one of the background kids has got, like, one of the ensembles, like, a rainbow shirt. I believe. Do you know so who we, I'm talking about? We talked about? about this before. So there's a whole bunch of the ensemble characters all have names. But yeah. they're not names, they're, like, identifiers. Yeah, so like we have Republican kid. Young Republicanette, hipster dork, beleaguered geek... But I think you're talking about Stoner Chick. Yeah, so Stoner Chick is very much decked out in some lovely rainbow attire. Mm-hmm. Now... Well, and then we have Midwestern surfer punk yeah. who has just the queerest costume. <laughs> we, in that, I sat there and was like, I like that. I, I want would to wear, wear that. this. <laughs> I thought what was going to happen is with all this talk of suicide in Act 1... Mm one of those kids was going to end up killing themselves. After everyone else was talking about it, like how great Heather was, there was going to be a copycat and it was going to be Stoner Kid and that's where the song came from. Obviously, when Act 1 ended, oh, I, sure. I knew it wasn't going that way, but I kind of knew going into it because I'd seen that merch, like, oh, what's going to happen? So, we, we start off at... So, when this production came out in the West End in 2018. Mm -hmm. It was flagged by a lot of critics that they felt that the homosexuality and the way it's presented in the show and the way that it's mocked in the show made it feel very dated. Yes. And while obviously the show is set in 89... We're watching it with... We're watching it in 2023 and it's been updated in the 2000s so there's no reason why these kind of things can't be updated however this song as a point that is being made i think does a good job the whole point of this section is 
to basically say these people are all idiots. Yeah. The fact that they are not only willing to believe that these two boys who were very renowned for assaulting girls were actually secretly gay shows the prejudices in the town that we live in. And the fact that everyone is so quick to be like, oh, that's why they acted so badly. It's because they secretly were gay and they hated themselves. And it's like, okay, sure. And the fact that it's then backed up by Kurt and Ram's dads actually having some sort of repressed sexuality. And the whole point is to mock that and Mm. to... We are supposed to look at it as the audience and be like, these people are idiots. Like, it's so ridiculous that they think this way. However, unless you're thinking about it that hard, I don't think that comes across. I don't know. I did think that this sequence, like... I don't know, it feels homophobic in the way that it's like the whole repressed... I'm a homophobe because I'm repressing my own homosexuality. Like, I watch that thinking this. Yeah. You know, because you've got Kurt's dad, or Ram's dad, one of them is like, my son died a sinner, you know, and I'm embarrassed by him. And then the other's like, what the hell are you talking about? I love my boy. Yeah. And I love you. It it feels homophobic in the way it comes across. In the way it's played, yeah. Because it's very much like, and, and this isn't a criticism at all of the actors, I think. No, because they did a great job. Yeah, we've got uh, Jay Bryce who is playing Kurt's dad and Connor McFarlane, who plays Ram's dad. They do a brilliant job. They're, you know, I don't think anything they do is particularly bad. Mm. You know, they do their, their bit very well. I just think it comes down to the writing. Don't get me wrong. I love the reveal at the end when they change their ties to the pride ties. Yeah. And they've got, uh, Rainbow flag. Yes, suspenders. But as a sequence, I don't know if every audience member will get the right thing out of it. It feels very much like it's the joke that, you know, they're homophobic because they're repressed. Yeah. I just feel like it's unnecessary. Like, it doesn't really serve a huge purpose. It's it's good as a joke. And I think the actual song, or the chorus of the actual song, mm. is kind of a bop. Yeah. But... And as a whole, the scene does kind of serve a purpose in the fact that it proves JD right. Well, it gives JD the proof that what he's doing is right, and it allows Veronica to kind of go along with it, because he was like, you know, look at the good that came out of us doing this. Mm. The The thing is... They've made a whole song around a throwaway one-liner joke from the film. Yeah. It's quite repetitive. Obviously, like like you say, JD was right. Something good did come out of this. You know, these two men who were homophobes are now saying that they're going to strive for... to make the world a safer place for gay kids. Okay, Cool. We never see any evidence of that, but obviously it's not their story. Yeah. But the a really good way that I've seen it written about is imagine if Mean Girls had an entire song dedicated just to the line on Wednesdays we were pink. Yeah. And that's the, what the whole song is about. 
it would get very repetitive and very old very quickly. Yeah. Pink, 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 pink. <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So JD's trying to convince Ronica we're now going to target Heather Duke. She's like, no, we, we can't keep doing this. We're not about this. Let's just stop. He complains. He's like, oh, we've got to bring the whole system down. And she's like, mm. And then this is where he, we learn fully, I think, about his mother's death and that it was a suicide, that she went into a building that her, his dad was deconstructing. As opposed to just his mum is gone. Yeah. So it was a library. Yeah. And he drove, she drove him there, got out of the car, walked into the library and waved at him through the window and then the building exploded. And we're never told what JD's dad was like before that. Mm -hmm. They say in Freeze Your Brain, he says halfway, we lived halfway normal, which is like, okay. But... It's obviously a very traumatic thing for JD to have sinned. And he seems to blame everybody in the world for it. Yeah. Which, again, a very normal reaction. It's normal to be angry at the world after a significant trauma. Exactly. Killing people, not so much. No. It's an interesting... It's interesting that it's taken this long to take any of this out on anyone. It is, but maybe this is the first time he's tried and this is the first time someone's matched. Or maybe he has done it, but it's been far more discreet. Yeah, and he's definitely putting all of this trauma onto Veronica and being like, look, you're traumatised too. These people are horrible to you, therefore let's kill them. And she's like, I'm not quite that traumatised, but okay. Veronica gives him an ultimatum. Mm Mm-hmm. Give up violence, live a normal life with her, or lose her forever. And that's done through 17, which is a beautiful song. Yeah, really nice. She's basically bringing up, like... We are 17. Normal, everyday things. Yeah. Yeah. So he agrees, and everything is hunky-dory between them. But then Martha shows up and tells Veronica that she thinks... Oh my god, the stupid love note from before yeah. has repercussions. Yeah, yeah. She, she thinks that JD has murdered them as revenge for them beating him up um, because of the love note being proof that he can't be gay because he was in love with me. Uh, oh, yeah, and, and Veronica then... and Heather Chandler are having this discussion of like, oh yeah, well you can either let her go to the police and have JD arrested and you. Or tell her the truth. Or completely crush her heart and her dreams. And she does the latter. She tells mm. her the truth. And she runs off in tears. But she doesn't just tell her the truth. She does it in the worst way possible, which mm-hmm. is by laughing at her it's and like, making her you feel think like an idiot. Would, yeah, exactly. And it is what it is. If she just said, look, I was trying to get in with the Heathers. They asked me to do this. And I stopped it before you got really hurt. But I now recognise that I have hurt you. Mm-hmm. So your favourite teacher is... The next song. Right. So we have Shine a Light. Mm-hmm. I genuinely hate this as a sequence, mostly because I know teachers who are box ticking exercise teachers, you know, mm-hmm. that will do a cause, not because they believe in it. Yeah. Because it looks really good for their profile and their platform and their CV. And that's what this whole sequence is. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a very well-staged sequence. And 
it hits the point it's supposed to. She is supposed to be disingenuous, where she's like, we're going to go on TV, we're going to spread the news that, you know, teen suicide is not okay. But she doesn't care. She's trying to make a star of herself. Yeah. She's not listening to the kids. You know, Martha comes up to her in a really bad state and is told to, no, I need you, put this, put the shirt on, get over yourself. We have a really fun bit where she does interact with a guy in the audience. What does she call him? Stephen. Stephen. It's like, stand up, Stephen. She's like, our, our relationship is over. You don't seem fussed at all, Stephen. Yeah, that was, <laughs> okay, that that was, was really fun. Funny. You know, like, and, and I like it when, you know, we break the fourth wall in that way that it's like, we're speaking to an auditorium for this and you are my auditorium. Mm-hmm. But also just the way that when she gets Heather McNamara to step up and tell the world your thoughts, it's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. She's completely exploiting these students for her own gain. It is. And it's just, it's painful to watch. I, it, this sequence, I didn't enjoy. Mostly because it's, it, it, it hits a little too close. Mm. You know? Um, Heather McNamara sings Lifeboat. This yeah. song is meant to hurt. Yes. <laughs> and so she basically sings about how... High school, she uses a metaphor of everybody's on a lifeboat, somebody has to go because there's not enough room and we're going to capsize and suddenly everyone's looking at me. Mm. And obviously the point of the whole thing is that actually nobody's looking at her. It's her own yeah depression, anxiety, despair that's making her feel this way. But that's how she feels and everything's too loud and everything's too much. And I think... The, that whole sequence, like everyone can definitely identify with. And then we cut back. It's a very short song. Very short song, but very powerful song. Mm-hmm. You know, because you've got this idea that, you know, this person I thought was really brave and confident. And, and she's I looked, the head cheerleader, yeah. you know? But no, I, I'm more meant the way she's saying about Heather Chana is like, I looked up to her, and if she was struggling, what am I? Because yeah. I'm nothing compared to her. So if she was bad, then what am I? Mm-hmm. Which is actually. A, I can completely understand that frame of mind. And it's very genuine from Heather McNamara. It's a very genuine kind of thought process. It's not, I'm here for attention. Yes. And we get the two alternate reactions to this. We have Veronica, who immediately goes and comforts her and gives her a hug. Not quite yet. No, she does at this point. Oh, she hugs her on stage, doesn't she? Yes. And then we have Heather Duke, who basically tells her to get a life and stop trying to copy Heather. And gets everyone else to help mock her on this live TV special. Yes. Which is the only good karma I can say happens from this scene is like, you've got Miss Fleming trying to make out that she cares all that. And she, you know, here's what's happened on her live TV mm-hmm. special. Veronica freaks out and is like, they didn't kill themselves. I killed them. And it's silent for a minute. And then Heather Duke goes, God, people really will say anything for attention. I, so when that happened, I thought it was going to turn around with Miss Fleming being like, we all killed them, darling. If only we'd listened to their cries for attention. That's why I thought that line was going to go mm-hmm. instead of just Heather mocking her. I thought people were going to take it really seriously. It was a moment of like, and then the teacher... It's kind of amazing that nobody does. I, I think I'd much rather the teacher... Re- I'm, I mean, obviously, I'm not a professional writer, but I think you really want to drum home the point that this teacher is tone deaf to everything. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect end to this scene. I think in some way we all killed them. You know, yeah. we've made some breakthroughs today. You know, 
I think it would hit home far more. And the fact that they are able to get away with it is because these adults just don't listen. You know? Yeah. But we, we get, they think... get the reprise of Shine a Light, which is <sighs> one of the most hilariously written songs in this show. Yeah. It's obviously, again, because we're reaching the part of this show where just everything is bad now, right? Mm-hmm. So this song is horrible. It's tragic what they're saying to her. It's, oh, anything that happens inside of somebody's head... Yeah. Nightmare wise, uh, all of the ensemble wear those old 3D glasses, yeah. the paper ones with the blue eye and the red eye. And that is uh, why we have the artwork we have. Yes, indeed. And in this scene, Heather Duke and the ensemble show up to sing instead of Shine a Light, Wine All Night. Yes. Which is hilarious writing. Obviously, it's really horrible what they're saying to her. Especially as she is. She's trying to get the overdose. lid off of a bottle. Yeah. And they sing, oh, look, Heather's going to wine, wine, wine all night. And they're saying things to her. Like all of the horrible, intrusive thoughts that somebody in this position has telling her that she should hurt herself until Veronica shows up to save her and basically stops her from doing anything. And then they sit and they have a little chat. Yeah, and she's got a mouth full as she's talking, Heather McNamara, <laughs> and she spits, yeah. at, spits them all out. Yeah. Um, so that whole sequence, you know, there's some good to it, but, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, it's very well written. It's very well written. It's This show is so hard to talk about because, like, Shine a Light Reprise is an absolute oh, bump, I, I'm right? not criticising it. That and song saying, is so good, but you're meant to be uncomfortable while you're watching it, so that's it feels what I'm weird to say that it's good. But that's what I'm saying. Like, me saying it was hard watching is, is a compliment. That's what it's supposed to be. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be hating every second of this because this teacher... Oh, it's a chance for us to be like, where could we learn differently from this? Mm-hmm. Instead of just acting like we're the best people because we just listen to someone, just genuinely listen to someone. But at the same time, these yeah. songs are bangers. Oh, God, yeah, it's great. <laughs> So, uh, JD um, tries to persuade Veronica to kill Heather again. Um, He's like, I joined the AV club for you. How much more normal can you get? But look at what she's doing. Yeah. And Veronica breaks up with him. She sings, I say say no. Now, this was a brand new addition for the West End. Yes. It was written for the West End production at the Other Palace Theatre. So this was Carrie Hope Fletcher who debuted and originated this version of this song. Yes, which is why we have a cast recording of this version. I don't know if if this was um, written before she joined the cast or if this is like... Oh, it was definitely written before she joined the cast, but but it was written like... But she debuted it on the West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as, As opposed to it was written before she joined the cast and someone else sang it. Yeah. As Veronica. Now, people love this song and... I think it's just fine. Yeah. I feel like I don't need a song here. I feel like for the second, certainly since maybe Dead Man Walking, all of Veronica... Dead Man. What? Dead Girl Walking. Dead Girl Walking, sorry. Dead Man's Chest. (laughs) No, I'm thinking of wrestling, like The Undertaker. But since that song, any time Veronica sang, it's just like the same kind of like... She's only sung once... It's, 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 oh, she did Our Love Is God, yeah. Yeah, it feels very similar to Our Love Is God. You know, it doesn't feel like it's doing anything completely new. And it's very similar to Seventeen. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so I feel like it doesn't hit the right note for me. It's like we talked about last week with Sister Act. Yeah. Maybe other songs have made it that this song is redundant. Yeah. The thing is, it's got a lot of lyrics that are really good. Like, obviously, she's talking about how toxic he is. Mm -hmm. She says there's a lot of allusions to drugs. She's saying there's a really good line where she says, you need help. I can't provide. I'm not qualified. Like, that's great. What a great point to make. You know, we talked about earlier, he needs actual therapy. And that's not her job. And I think it's very important to have a teenage character in a show that is predominantly fan-based by teenagers say to another character look i'm your friend and i'm here for you but i am not your therapist i cannot help you with this this is beyond me because it's important that people know how to say that and keep themselves safe this song just goes on for a little bit this is it so we then get hey yo westerberg which i think is just a very brief like cheer sequence from heather chandler as a kind of segue Hey, Westerberg. Yeah, I like this song. Yeah, nice little simple one. And it goes into Kindergarten Boyfriend. Um, we do have a bit where JD blackmails Heather into making the student body sign a petition. Um, but it's yeah. very aloof and... She's like, oh, it was JD's idea. And Veronica like grabs the clipboard off her and is like, he's using this for something nefarious. I'm going to figure out what what's it going is. on. Yeah. We do see that Heather McNamara and Veronica hang out at school now. Mm-hmm. And they're just cute little friends. Yeah, which I so like. So that's nice. Yeah. But we then have this solo from Martha where she sings Kindergarten Boyfriend. And the second she came on the stage, on the walkway, and with the tone of this song, I knew exactly where this was going. Mm. You know, she sings this... this ballad morning ram you know um you know talks about their experiences in kindergarten and how she loved him and it's a song that should come across a little bit funny on paper when you look at the lyrics because some of the stuff that she's saying is really like she says he picked a scab off of his knee and, or, and she put it in a locket and wore it for a year like that's really funny but it's all framed around the fact that she stood up on this bridge. Well, she's not. She was standing. Well, she was to start yeah. with. And you know where this is going. Yeah. And it's one of those that this is this sweet character who's always kind of just been the one good person. Like, truly good. She is lawful good. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no chaos to her or anything. She is just lovely. Yeah, well, we get in the next song, Yo Girl we get the line from Heather Duke, which you referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, just another geek trying to imitate the popular people and failing miserably. Yeah. Because Martha... Jumps. ...is still alive. And survives. And it's kind of... This is the the horrible thing, is that, you know, the good people are the ones that get hurt. Don't get me wrong, no one deserves to die, but through glamorising the suicides that they've done... Mm-hmm. somebody who needed that help has missed out on it. And this is really is a wake-up call for Veronica and is very lucky that Martha survives because in life you're not always that lucky. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad Martha doesn't die. Mm-hmm. Because it's just... And I'm glad they address it straight away with Yo Girl that she is still alive 
But this is a very powerful number. And the way it ends, very powerful. You know, just her standing up, looking over the edge, fade, slow fade to black. There's no, like, uh, lameys of jumping off this and, you know, like with Javert at the end. It's very mm. much left to our minds. I love that staging for Javert. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely do, but it's not. Really, I don't. I, I think I, this is better. I would rather not see. Admittedly, the only time I've seen is I was a 13-year-old. Well, there's there's the two versions, right? There's Russell Crowe jumping off and it making a massive crack noise yep. for no reason, making a truly heartbreaking scene completely hilarious, mm-hmm. or standing in the middle of the stage while some lighting effects of water swirl around you which is a very safe way of staging that. Yeah, and I, I do like Whereas it. I like this version no, but that's what I'm saying is we know what's about to happen, happen but it cuts. And, and that's what I like is that it's more suggestive and we have to, we, we picture it and therefore it's harder. It's like with horror films, a lot of the monsters are worse when you just picture them and when you see them, they're not as scary. Mm-hmm. Here, I think what you visualise is far worse than what you could ever see on stage and it's powerful. We get Yo Girl. Admittedly, I don't remember much of this song. I think I'm still a little bit in shock. The bit of this song that I was, I always remember is uh, Veronica's running on, running on fumes now. Veronica's, and like it, it's yeah. the ensemble, but specifically Veronica, Heather Chandler, Ram, and Kurt all singing. Yeah, and it just gets faster and faster and faster. Her parents come back and are like. JD came by and told us everything, how depressed you've been, how you've been having these thoughts. He showed us your copy of Moby Dick, yeah, which is an interesting book choice. Um, and Chandler's like, wow, he's really got your handwriting down, hasn't he? So mm-hmm. it's like coming back to bite Veronica yeah. that she was copying people's handwriting. And her parents think that she's basically in real trouble, yeah. which she is, but they're not on the right track. No, they think she's feeling suicidal as opposed to what she is. Yeah. you know. And then JD climbs in through her window. She runs and hides in the closet. And then we get <sighs> Meant to Be Yours. I love this song. Oh my God, I love this song. And I'd heard this on TikTok and I'd completely forgotten it until this started playing. Mm-hmm. And you got the bang, bang, bang. This is the best written song in this entire show yeah. because it is so unhinged down to the like chord progression mm. it's ridiculous so you get oh, yeah. a nice little line to start with where he's talking about hey we're going to go to the pet priory it's great then he sings really fast and we get the repetitive but 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 then he sings really slowly with i was meant to be your like that part yeah and then he sings, and then he suddenly gets upbeat again. And then there's the talking bit about the suicide note. And then he sings fast and then slow again. And it's just insane. It's 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 amazing. And I love this song so much. And, and it just shows this this mental state so perfectly, you know, that kind of on the one side of things, I'm trying to remain calm, but on the other side, I can't remain calm anymore. Mm-hmm. Along with Michael in the bathroom, this is one of the best, like, written songs that captures what it is to have the that kind of feeling. Mm. You know, Michael in the bathroom from Be More Chill being it's pure... Like the panic attack. Panic song. attack. Mm-hmm. And it captures every moment of it brilliant until you finally have that breath at the end. Like, it builds up in here. It's that moment of, like, anger and trying to control yourself... I just mm-hmm. loved every single bit of the sequence and I love the bam, bam, bam or the, the but, 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 
you know. Yeah, and so at the end of this song, he has. Veronica, open the open the door, please. Veronica, yeah. open so he's the door. begging her to open the door. Then he's like, I don't want to fight with you anymore. Then he's like, Oh, Come I know on. that you're scared. I'm sorry. I can help you. And then he switches completely to Don't make me come in there. Yeah, which is scary. Veronica, don't make me come in there. Yeah, like you just like. Oh. The, again, just completely the wrong tune. I know it is, but I just <laughs> oh, this song is great. But then, oh my days, you kind of prepped so me the, for this so as we were watching it. You Heather just, Chandler and Ram and Kurt are in front of Veronica at this. They point are the singing. cupboard doors, you know. Like yes, they're sort of interestingly protecting her from JD at this point, which is, I mean, Heather Chandler was right. If when she was in charge, nobody did any of this stuff, but. Not saying that she was a good person, but, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, She wasn't the worst person no. in the world. She wasn't even the worst person on the stage at this point. But... I mean, this is the thing. It's high school evil, which is not really that evil. In the in the time period you're going through it, they are the worst. And then you go into the real world and you're like, oh, hell, these people make you look like Barney the dinosaur. Right. Right. And then behind where they are standing... Basically, what happens is Veronica pretends to kill herself to scare JD and to make. Him and I leave. saw something come down from the top. But I couldn't quite make it out, and it's it's a noose. Yes, it's made out of a pillowcase or a bedsheet mm-hmm. or something. She's in her wardrobe closet. You know, it's America. And when they step aside, she is hanging, but obviously it's stage hanging. Yeah, like you know. She's still standing, basically. Yeah, she's upright at the top of the stage. And JD sees it, freaks out. He's, like, screaming. And he says, don't leave me alone. You are all I could trust. I can't do this alone. And then there's a pause. And then he's like, still, I will. If I have to, I will do this. And then he leaves. And then her parents walk in. So he says as well, like, his plan was the petition which has been signed by every student, is actually a mass suicide note, and he's going to blow it up. Yes, so what he said on the suicide note was that society churns out slaves and blanks and that they don't want to be that and that hopefully their burnt bodies will finally get through to society and make a point. Not that anybody actually agreed to this other than JD. Yeah, because it was a fake one. Yes, uh, Veronica's mum comes in the door and screams. And if they didn't think there was something wrong with her before. They certainly do now. Oh, yep. my days. Um, it's quite a visual. It's quite a powerful visual. And if you don't know it's coming, it's quite shocking and could be quite triggering. But... You know, we've talked about how we know this show has given some really good content warnings before you go into the theatre about the, you know, what this it has thematically. So mm. it's not a jump to know that you you might see something like this. Um, Veronica races to stop him. We get Dead Girl Walking reprise, which is really nice. We've got a lot of similar themes, but we've got a load of different songs yeah. filtered in. So she's singing the theme of Dead Girl Walking. The school is singing Heyo Westerberg because it's the pep rally. Mrs. Fleming bumps into Veronica and she's like, Oh, JD just told me that you killed yourself, but I threw together a really lovely tribute considering the short notice. Yep. More reasons why she sucks. All she cares about. All she cares about is fame. One of, so yeah, and, and we then have their confrontation in the boiler room between them. 
And one of the things I really like is that you've got on the walkway at the top, the pep rally and their back is to us because they're just doing the pep rally. And it really does give the idea that, you know, you've got them underneath this mm-hmm. and they're shouting for help and you can't hear them. So what he's done, JD, his dad does this like really specific way of, of deconstruction, which is that you have like one detonator at the base of the building whatever yeah. you're trying to deconstruct and then smaller ones that kind of are set off because of that yeah so this one will go off and in exploding the others will explode it's not like they're on timers you get rid of so this they're one. like all over the place kind of like what happened in the end of bones sure yeah you know and it's like oh no this is just the, the signal you know mm-hmm. this is just the first one <sighs> we get ending a really good verse from Veronica where she sings about she says it's I wish I wish I wish I wish I wish mm-hmm. and she's holding her hand out to him the same as she did in 17 but this time he's not taking it and she says I wish you'd come with me and he says I wish I had more TNT yeah. so he's fully gone at this that's point that's it completely gone I do like their little struggle you know I think this the stage combat here is oh, really she has the mallet Mm-hmm. The stage combat's really nice here. Um, they do a good job at it, especially, you know, they they make it look really realistic. Like, even where we were sat, you you felt, even though we're quite close to the stage, it felt real. Very well mm-hmm. done. And it ends with that kind of cliche, like, they're both struggling with this gun and it goes off. And it's like, who got shot? They both kind of step apart. And you're like, who was it? And then it's JD. He's been shot. Yeah. Um, Veronica's struggling to walk because she's, she's limping. She's damaged her leg in the fight. But she grabs the bomb. She takes it out to the football field. And she's not getting very far. And then JD... Oh, she shot JD, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, so she shot yeah, him. Yeah, so he, at this point, knows that he is sort of done for. So he says to her, like, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, he sings, I am damaged. Mm-hmm. And, you know... He doesn't deserve the redemption of this because, like, all the bad things he's done, like, he gets off easy, really. Like, compared to Veronica, who will have to live with this knowledge of everything she's done. Mm-hmm. But, you know, does this one thing redeem everything he's done in the, in the show? No. You know, no. But he does the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, explodes. Everyone comes pouring out of the school. Yeah. Veronica steals Duke's scrunchie. Yes. Yeah, so we, we kind of got a finale here where all of this, and especially now that she's claimed the uh, Chandler scrunchie, mm-hmm. that's it, the end of this this era. There's no more of this dog-eat-dog world. We're going to be kind. She reconciles with Martha. Who, who comes on in her little mobility, mobility scooter because she got really hurt. Also has a bit of sass to her. She kind of, there's a nice bit where she's <laughs> she like, backs up. She yeah. backs up very slowly mm-hmm. and has a look on her face. She's become a little bit colder as a result of this, but she's still a good person. Yeah. You know, she's got every right to never talk to Veronica again. Do you want to have movie night? Am I right in thinking that Heather McNamara was invited as well, or was it just Martha? No, and Mac. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice little ending. And then, you know, we get 17 reprise. Mm -hmm. And then we get the upbeat part of 17. Yeah. And a really good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, genuinely, really, really enjoyed this show. Um, 
It's a tough one, but what is your best song? Ooh. I have two, and I'm not going to necessarily be able to cut them between the two. Candy Store, just love it. It's really great. It tells you everything you need to know about the Heathers, mm. and its placement is great. Meant to be yours, it's just wonderful. Like a masterclass of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Never Shut Up Again is yeah. probably my favourite song. I like that a lot. But like you say, Meant to Be Yours is just... I mean, considering how much I went on about it when we've just talked about yeah. it, it's just a ridiculous song. It is. And it, there's so many good songs on here as well. You know, and we have listened to quite a few of them since. Well, you added like the whole... I did add the whole thing and I'll slowly gut it based on which ones I don't enjoy listening to as much. Mm-hmm. Which is your Skip It song? Um... I wonder if Kindergarten Boyfriend is one that I'll be able to listen to or if it is one of I those... made you skip it the other we day. We did make it skip it, but that's different. Sad. It's a sad song. And I feel like I could listen to it on the right occasion. Mm-hmm. So to say that's my skip it song feels disingenuous because I do really like it and here it's really powerful, but it's very sad. And I might skip it if I'm not in the mood. Um, I think, I don't know if I would listen to My Dead Gay Son again. Or I say no. Hmm. I Say No is my skipper song. I I mean, I need to listen to My Dead Gay Son again, truthfully. Um, But I I, I would say I Say No probably is Mm -hmm. my skip one, mostly because it just feels so like everything else Veronica's done, really, at that point. We needed something a little bit more optimistic at this point, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, I do want to reiterate, when we're talking about our skip it song, we're not talking about a song that needs to be completely skipped over in the show. No, 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 no. We're talking about when we listen to the soundtracks of musicals, which we do all the time in the car. Yeah. Which song would you skip? I think my musical playlist is like 88 hours long. Yes, yeah, I know like that. Um, and we still get the same six songs still, every yeah, single time. Literally six songs <laughs> yeah. from six. Yeah. Um, or the amazing story of the Phantom from Goosebumps the Musical. Which is still a bop. Which is probably still going to be my number one song at the end of this year, after <laughs> last year topping my Spotify wrapped. Probably. Yeah, no, we're not saying these are bad songs at all. And we're not saying that, you know, because obviously the Shine a Light that we would listen... Not Shine a Light, sorry. I Say No that we'd listen to is Carrie Hope Fletcher. We're not saying at all that it's a bad song and the vocals are bad or whatever. I just feel like it's possibly the song that doesn't resonate with me the most that I wouldn't want to listen to again. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure for other people, they might say they never want to listen to uh, Shine a Light and Shine a Light Reprise again or Lifeboat or I Am Damaged. You know, uh, there's so many different songs. Technically, Yo Girl could be one because right now it, it didn't actually stick with me enough. Yeah. But for me, really, I just feel like I Say No is... Very similar. And they added it in. Did it need to be added in? hmm Who's your MVP in this performance? It's so tough. It's really tough. Jenna is amazing. Jacob Fowler is, is amazing. Um, all the Heathers are great. Kingsley Morton's brilliant. And I love... Alex Woodward and Morgan Jackson, who are Kurt and Ram. Those two as a duo are just fantastic. Yeah, and I think because they play off each other, mm-hmm. 
I I do think I'm going to have to say my MVP is Verity Thompson, who plays Heather Chandler, because she makes this role look easy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as much as people are there wanting to watch Veronica and JD, I genuinely feel that if you get a bad Heather Chandler, it sours the whole thing. Was it Jodie Steele who was Heather Chandler originally? I, I can absolutely see that. I feel like you could get by if you had a weaker Veronica or a weaker JD. I feel like people would be... I don't think you could get away with having a weaker JD. No, but... Jacob Fowler, I'm going to say, is my MVP because he was unhinged. He's he's (laughs) And that's what you need. Very much my runner-up for it because he's absolutely brilliant. But I do just think with Verity Thompson, she's so... It sounds so disingenuous to say she's so new to this. Mm-hmm. But like when I looked, because I don't look at the programs before the shows, I'm fully aware that there might be spoilers, you know. When I looked to see what she'd been in, I was truly expecting like a page worth of credits and it shocked me because she was that good. Mm-hmm. You know, Jacob Fowler is amazing as JD, you know, absolutely amazing as JD. The whole cast is like the MVP is the casting director, let's be honest, because they put this cast together. Yeah. But on the night Verity Thompson who would you want to play in Heather's JD. I'd want to play JD as well I think so over to Twitter and Instagram on Twitter 40% of people have said they've never seen it with uh, that song from that movie podcast saying they genuinely never heard that there's a musical of Heather's which completely understandable mm-hmm. 7% of people saying I say no 3% of people saying it's okay. 50% of people saying yes, big fun. Really, really liked on Twitter. And big friend of the podcast, our so very special contributor, at Jared Good, says it's just so good. And I thought that'd be right up his, like, alley. Yeah. You know? On Instagram... 11% of people said they've never seen it. 8% I say no. 11% of people say it's okay, and 69% said Big Fun. Very, very well-received musical from people who have seen it. Uh, Katie Azriella on Instagram said, Heather's was the musical that began my passion for musicals. I've loved it for years, have watched every version I could find on YouTube, and finally saw it on the West End a few months ago. I bought scrunchies in red, green, yellow, and blue, and they're now sit to my bedside table. And I would highly recommend the show to... Anyone, especially the West End cast album with the incredible Carrie Hope Fletcher and Jamie Moscato. And it is a really good album. You know, like that's the version that I've been listening to more. So I know that there's an American soundtrack as well. Yeah. But I've been listening to the um, the British one with Jodie Steele and Carrie Hope Fletcher and Jamie Moscato. What's your star rating for this one? Did you enjoy it more in the new Victoria Theatre Yes. Because the crowd? Yes. So would you say it improved your opinion of the show overall, watching it with a more traditional theatre audience? Yeah. What's your star rating? I'm going to say four, pushing four and a half. Yeah. I I gave this five stars. I thought it was brilliant. Like, I was just captivated the whole way through. I had a great time. Don't get me wrong, there are issues with it, but... That did not stop my enjoyment of this show at all. Yeah. So, we've talked about one movie classic. 
this week. And it's a musical that maybe, or a film, sorry, that you maybe like more than I do. We're going to have another movie adaptation next mm. week. And I feel like this is maybe a musical or, you know, a film that I like love more than you do. I tend to turn it off before the end. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like I could listen to the soundtrack and watch this film far more frequently than you could. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for this one. This has been like, I've wanted this since I was 14. We are going to go to London, to the Piccadilly Theatre. As we've talked about, actually, already through this episode, so you know what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. A show that actually has a link, because we've just referenced uh, Jamie, Jamie Moscato, who is going to be playing Christian in Moulin Rouge the musical. And I'm I'm so excited. It's my birthday week musical. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Heather's is, because my birthday is Friday the 17th. So, you know, two really good musicals, you know, ending 32... <clears throat> With uh, with Heather's and starting <coughs> thirty three, with uh, Moulin Rouge. I'm not old. Not at all. And then we'll go to thirteen the musical at last. It's like, oh, what was it? There was another one that we kept putting off. We kept saying we'll do this one. It's coming next week. Thoroughly, thoroughly modern, modern Millie. <laughs> thirteen is our thoroughly modern Millie of uh, twenty twenty three. But that doesn't mean that the quality is comparable. I believe. And I think then we will be going on to Disney. I actually, I'm prepared this week. Mm-hmm. It's not Sleeping Beauty. We've got one more before Sleeping Beauty. Yes. This one's going to be a little problematic. As if they haven't all been so far. Well, I say it's scratch that. We might do something before that one because it might be our three years anniversary if the Ooh. dates align. So we might delay Lady and the Tramp hmm. for something else we'll find something fun to celebrate turning three that's crazy last year we talked about goosebumps how are we going to top goosebumps we will think about it as always you can get involved in the conversation over on twitter and instagram at it's a musical pod And you can subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app. Under the podcast section of the library, you can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG host, Podbean. And if you like the show, why not leave us a review or share us with a friend? But as always, until next week, where we will see you same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical day.